Good morning, everybody. All right. If you've got your Bibles, uh, we are in Acts chapter 10 this morning, uh, starting a new series. It's kind of a non-series, but it's a collection of things similarly grouped. I'm going to call the series. So. Our non-series that we're starting today is uh, Best Lesson Ever. I'm, I'm asking several different teachers at Stewart Heights to come in and give their best lesson, the thing that they've enjoyed teaching the most over their teaching career. I've got several folks lined up. Um, you'll see as the week comes who it is. Um, the thing that I've learned after talking with a lot of our teachers here at Stewart Heights is that very few of our folks plan weeks and weeks and weeks ahead. Uh, so scheduling is a lot of fun through this, so just kind of bear with me on um, special guest for next week because I'm still working a couple things out here and there. But uh, today, for mine, um, the gospel is for everyone. And I've actually taught this twice, once in Sunday school when we were going through the Essential 100. It was probably week um, 55, 60, maybe 65 or so, somewhere around in there. Um, we were going through the book of Acts. Um, but I'll, I'll start here uh, with the review of this Old Testament framework. Um, if you think about the Old Testament, um, even going back to the Adam and Eve story of creation, um, the framework that God operates in is he places people in a spot and then he engages with them in that location. It's very location-specific. Uh, there's a lot of boundaries around things. Um, and, and if you think about the Old Testament, it's virtually devoid of what we would call missionaries, people going out from where God is and sharing the gospel or the message of Yahweh with anybody else. Jonah was an example of this, and he hated it, right? He, he was really the Old Testament kind of ultimate example of what a missionary is, and, and he hated it, and everybody hated him, and, and nobody had a good time, and it just didn't work very well. Um, nobody liked it. The... Uh, the prophets of the Old Testament were sent to call the nation of Israel back, not necessarily to call other nations back. There were times where they went and talked to other nations, but predominantly the normal construct in Israel was that if you wanted to experience God, if you wanted to experience Yahweh, you had to come to Israel because that's where he was. Okay? So if you fast forward to the New Testament, uh, this impacts the way that the Jews view other nations when we see Jesus in the New Testament. Because the Jewish people didn't like the Romans, which that kind of makes sense. I mean, that's the invaders. We, we get that. We relate to that. But they also didn't like the Samaritans, right? There was some, some real serious animosity there. They didn't really like anybody, to be honest. If, if you read through the New Testament, looking for a nation that the Jewish people really liked, you won't find one. And it was... Primarily, I think, because God is for us. And they were not about going and sharing this message of Yahweh with somebody else. And that all changes after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus Christ is resurrected, he leaves something with his believers. What does he leave with his believers? Something inside of us. The Holy Spirit, right? We have the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always on now. Okay? So now, as opposed to, I go worship God in a specific place, God is with me always. So we just finished the Christmas season, and there's a word, uh, God with us. What, what's the word for God with us? Anybody remember? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. And, and that was a beautiful, beautiful message when Jesus came. God is now with us. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it's God's always with us. 
God's always adding to this relationship. It's a beautiful thing. So there's something more here that we experience. This, this view that, that now no matter where I go, God is with me. And this changes things pretty substantially, especially for the first believers, because this was a different model. This is a very mobile God as opposed to a very stationary God. Um, and this view of God is not just for Israel, and this changed everything. This means that this God is for everyone. And if this God is for everyone, then this gospel is for everyone. So you see the shift from the Old Testament to the New, not in the way God, not in who God is, but in the way God engages with people. All right, does this make sense? You with me so far? Okay. So in Acts, the Acts is this transition from this sacrificial system of the Old Testament to this new, we're pointing back toward Jesus, looking at what Jesus' sacrifice did for us. And we really get to see this 1,500-year history of sacrifices come to a screeching halt and what all the ramifications are of it in the book of Acts. And it is messy. It is ugly. There are people that are violently opposed to changing this system that has worked in their minds very well for 1,500 years. And think about this. If somebody came along, so we've been doing church a certain way for several hundred years. If somebody came along and said, let's do things radically, totally different, how do you think that would go over? Mm, let's, let's time out, time out. Let's think about this, right? Let's have a committee and let's look at this, right? And, and then we'll... Some of you grew up in those churches. I know you did. It's okay. Um, and, and there, was, there was a problem. The, the religious leaders did not like this because they were impacted the most. Um, and the way in which God rolls this out to his apostles, this understanding is very slow. It's very deliberate. Um, he doesn't rush them into this, but we're going across this bridge, and we're going to get to the other side, and this is the way this is going to work. So in Acts 10 and 11, we see this, this shift of God kind of getting out of Israel. So Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit's come, and the apostles begin to understand that things are different. So the key thought for today is that the gospel is for everyone. And in this meeting between Cornelius and Peter in Acts chapter 10 and 11, this whole thing is kind of illustrated, that uh, salvation through Jesus Christ is for everyone, not just for a select group of insiders. So let's look at uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion, of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So right off the bat, do you like this guy or do you not like this guy? Yeah, it's okay. The Bible's pretty complimentary in two verses. I mean, like, wow, if, that's, if, if the Bible gave me two verses and described me that way, check, yes. Awesome, right? This is good. So Cornelius is a good guy. Verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, this is about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he saw clear because they marked time from when the sun came up, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So the angel said to Cornelius, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. This is about 30 miles south of here. And send for uh, Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged with Simon, a tanner, this is a different Simon, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Verse 9. The next day, this is day 2, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter, so we're shifting scenes here, 
or now with Peter, went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, it's about noon. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they made ready, he fell into a, what's your translation say? A trance. Anybody have anything else? A vision, yep. He, he was somewhere else, sort of-ish. It's kind of fuzzy, okay? It's a little bit fuzzy. If you like nice, neat, antiseptic stories, today is probably not for you, okay? This one doesn't fit in the box very well. Um, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. You're going, what? Where are we going here, Jim? Right? And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. So I need uh, four helpers, if you can. And four helpers. Jump up, jump up. All right, so I got three. I need four. So I have a sheet. I asked Julie last night for a sheet. Uh, God could have used a polka dot sheet. I don't know. I mean, that's possible, right? So we got a sheet, and I asked the kids for uh, animals. So we have an uh, angry pig, all right? We have a bear. We have a dog, a dog. We have another dog. We have a lot of dogs. Another bear another pig, and a little pig, okay? Now, we have dogs and pigs and bears. Right? It's fantastic. So, so now, now Peter was a what? He was, was he a Jew or a Gentile? He was a Jew. And Jews did certain things and did not do certain things, right? So I want you to get how ludicrous this story is. Now, guys, come on, really? Wow. Should have got the girls to do this, right? <clears throat> Uh, the Jews did certain things and they didn't do certain things. What was something that they didn't do? Pigs. They didn't eat pigs, right? Bacon wrapped bacon was not for them. Okay, that just sounds that just sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah. What about dogs? They go with dogs? No, they cursed you with like calling you a dog. When you see dogs referenced in the Old Testament, somebody's being cursed. Okay. So when your kid comes to you and asks, is no kids in there, mother? No. When your kid comes to you and asks you, are my dogs going to be in heaven? Don't let them read the Bible and what the Bible says about dogs, okay? So you can defer that conversation if you want to, but at some point when they read through the scriptures, they're going to go, hmm, probably not. And that's okay. There may be new animals in heaven. We have no idea. But this stuff, Peter couldn't eat. He would not eat. This was off limits, okay? So what does the next verse say? Verse 13, And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and... What? What? For 1,500 years, God had said no to this. Very explicitly. I mean, in great detail. All the way down to describing the hoof of what the animal looked like. Just in case there was something that popped up that you didn't know which category to put it in. If it looked like this, then put it in this category. If it looked like this, then put it in this category. I mean, we're talking about hooves in the Old Testament. And then he says, rise and eat. And he puts it in a sheet, right? Picnic, yeah. That's awesome. That was good. So what do you think Peter's thinking right here now? I had some bad food for breakfast or something here, right? This is, this is not good. So what's verse 14 say? What did Peter say? No, Lord. So just as a general rule of thumb, as a general rule of thumb, starting any sentence with the two words, no, Lord, 
is probably not a good idea, right? I mean, just generally speaking, no Lord, probably, it took him a while, right? So he is processing. He's, he's processing a lot. Um, Peter can't let go of what made him feel safe in his religion. And what made him feel safe in his religion were the rules associated with it, right? And we can relate to this, right? Because there are things that we do, and we spent a ton of time in 2013 going through the book of Galatians. I found a great uh, quote on the book of Galatians. And Galatians talks about this, this smashing of the law. He says, uh, we felt, this is Ben Myers on Galatians. He said, we felt insecure without our chains, so we hired experts to repair them. And then Paul came wielding a sledgehammer. I'm like, yeah, that's just awesome. Just take it down. So Peter, here, here's your next blank, is beginning to understand that everything in the Old Testament is pointing forward. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing forward. Is that these rules that applied before, they don't apply anymore. So let's let the sheet down, guys. Thank you much. You guys can go have a seat. It's going to get dirty. Is that okay? <laughs> I haven't gotten an okay yet. Is that okay? Okay, great. Whew, I was getting nervous there for a second. <laughs> so verse 15, and a voice. Who do you think the voice is? It's Morgan Freeman doing God. Yes. It's, no, no, sorry. And a voice spoke to you. We're going to get really surprised when we get to heaven and God doesn't sound like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and we're going to be even more surprised if he does. So, that'd be amazing. so, verse 15, And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. And this was done three times. So why would God need to do it three times? Yeah, kind of like us. He takes a while, right? He probably said no a couple of times. We'd, I think we can imply that from the text. And the object was taken up into heaven again, so it's, it's gone. So verse 17, Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, seems to me like God made it really clear what it meant, right? <laughs> Peter's processing through what the implications of this are. Right? What has to change now? What can change? What's okay that wasn't okay yesterday? This is a big problem. So in Acts 10, verse 17, Now Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius, God has great timing, had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the man who had been sent for him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Now, as a speaker, this is a little frightening. I've been told by my boss to come and get you because you have a message for my boss. That's interesting. I wonder what the... Oh, maybe it's what I just saw, perhaps. Right? So he's connecting dots here. Verse 23, Then he invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, this is day three, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. There's always others in these stories. It's beautiful. Verse 24, And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped Peter. 
But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he, found, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Now, Peter makes a leap here. Because what did God show Peter? Animals. And Peter extrapolated man. Because he saw what God's getting at here. He saw that this old system isn't functioning anymore. This is a new model that we're, walk, that we're walking under. So here's phase one. Peter sees value in those that are not like him. And this to a Jew was a radical concept. It was all about uh, Daryl's quote, us four, no more, and everybody else can hit the door. Right? I mean, that's, the, that's what it was. This was the model. Verse 29, Therefore I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent to me? Verse 30, So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and about the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea, and when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Now I'm going to take a little aside here for just a second. If you ever want to see a great attitude of somebody sitting before a teacher of God's word, this is it. We are all here ready to receive whatever you got. That's a pretty cool attitude. That's a really cool attitude. So verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows, it's the most beautiful words in all of Scripture right here, no partiality. <coughs> There's no partiality. So this is phase two. Peter sees that all men are loved by God. So, so they're not just common and uncommon. Is that God loves all men. And this is big because you've got to walk Peter through this process. And he's walking us through it by his knowledge. Verse 35, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. In every nation? What about this? Well, in every nation means Samaria. And in every nation means Rome. This says huge huge religious consequences for these people. Think about if somebody had... How many of you have ever seen the movie Red Dawn? Either version. It's basically the same concept. One's significantly better than the other, but that's a debate for another day. What's, what's Red Dawn about? Anybody tell me. Somebody invades America and this small group of misfit teenagers, uh, led by Patrick Swayze, um, <laughs> rises up and... Over helps to overthrow, right? Or uh, who's the Chris Hemsworth? Is that the modern day version? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Thor comes back and helps overthrow the Chinese. You know, it's like I don't. It's a lot of crossover there, but. Um, so, so do you think that if somebody has invaded America, and they are ruling in our country, you now no longer have the right to vote? Uh, you don't have the right to free speech. You don't have the right to bear arms. You don't have the right to whatever else is in the Bill of Rights. I didn't do well in history. Um, <clears throat> all those are gone. If you, if you, how do you think you feel towards your uh, oppressors? 
extremely angry, right? Violently angry. Hatred. I mean, we want to find a way to hurt them. And, and this still applies. Right? I mean, this is, this is challenging stuff. This is, at the very, this is what the, the Jews were facing. Their land was being occupied by the Romans at this time. This applied to the Romans as well. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. I saw a great quote from uh, John Piper last week. It says, America and all its presidents will be a footnote in history, but the kingdom of Jesus will never end. We get, we get so wrapped up in all this stuff that one day will go away. Now, don't get me wrong. I love America. I am exceedingly thankful that I was born in America. We have opportunities and privileges and rights here that are just not present anywhere else, and I think it has allowed the gospel to flourish and the gospel to go out from this country in ways that wouldn't be possible in other places. But America will not exist at one point in the future. And Jesus will. And we need to make sure our priorities are lined up with that. Uh, and that's a big deal. So verse 36, the word which is Peter still speaking, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Look how Peter slides that in. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now, I don't know if you've ever hired a speaker or not, but Peter just threw down right there. This was, here it all is, soup the nuts, all in, it's all about Jesus, and everybody qualifies. And this changed everything. So verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who had heard the word. And those of the circumcision, who's that? The Jews who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the, yes, on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with languages and magnify God. And this is the visible evidence that the gospel is for everyone. But not everybody knows about it. It's just this one household of people. Okay, so we've got to get this message out. So this group gets it, but we've got to get this message out. Because information is not valuable unless it's shared. So verse into verse 46, Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized to have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. So who got baptized? Everybody. Jews and Gentiles alike. So the gospel is for everyone. Baptism is for everyone. Okay, so now we go into chapter 11. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word. Uh-oh. If this was a movie, this is where the ominous music would be playing. Okay? Because it's all about to get real. Verse 2. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him. This is argued or fought. Stood face to face. They were protesting with him and said, You went in into uncircumcised men and ate with them. 
know what they're saying? You love Snoopy. And Snoopy's off limits. You're not supposed to love Snoopy. What are you doing? I mean, this is, this is how ludicrous this is, right? It's, there are rules, and you broke our rules. You broke God's rules. Now, what's Peter got to do? <laughs> Peter's got to set them straight and go, ah, that didn't apply anymore, actually. Yeah, God, God altered those. New rules, new covenant, new contract, and this is good. That's what they're saying. They got angry. Have you ever met anybody that got angry over breaking a religious rule? <coughs> that you broke a religious rule of theirs? You have? You've met these Snoopy lovers too? Yes. You know what? The gospel's for Snoopy lovers too. And Peter's about to explain that concept. <clears throat> Verse 4. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, and he goes back and he recounts it. Verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheep, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. And when I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord. I love how when Peter tells a story, he doesn't leave out the bad parts about himself. Because I'd have been real tempted, and I lined up immediately, and I'm ready to go. No, he, he aired his dirty laundry there. I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. Now, that's a heck of a statement. Right? He's never eaten anything unclean his entire life. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God has cleansed you must not call common. Now, this was done three times, and all were drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea, then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered this man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Now, does anybody remember what we titled this lesson when we went through uh, the Essential 100? I'd be exceedingly impressed if anybody did. 101 ways to walk a dog. Uh, ways to walk a dog. No. Uh, good try. Us redefined. That's your blank. Us is redefined here. You ever had those moments where you learned that somebody that was a little different than you was still a human being and us gets redefined and your version and your view of humanity gets just a little bit bigger and you realize that somebody has poked your heart and, and pricked and gone, ah, oh, that wasn't comfortable because I have marginalized and discounted and discredited this group of people for so long and they actually are human beings and this matters. Anybody been there? I grew up in uh, Shelbyville, Tennessee and race relations were, that's not a phrase that I'd ever heard until I was in college, um, I just knew that if you didn't look like me, I didn't like you. That's what my granddad said. I heard that quite often. And there were a wide, I'm embarrassed to even talk about this as my face is getting red. Um, there were a wide variety of names that were used for people that didn't look like me um, that was extremely common in that particular part of the world. And that was normal. And then I met some people that didn't look like me and saw how much they loved Jesus. Uh, and us got redefined. 
and us continue to get redefined and redefined and redefined and redefined. And still, I find places in my life where us gets redefined. So I can relate with these guys here. So verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us. They are like us. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter starts connecting the dots between his old rabbi and what's going on right now. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us, here it is, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent. And you're kind of wondering, well, what happens next? A beautiful thing happens next. And they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. And I go, yes! Because this is us. This is us. We're the Gentiles here. This changes everything. Phase three is that all the apostles understand that the gospel is for everyone. They all get it. This radically alters everything. They understand why Jesus hood out with these, uh, hung out with these sinners and the tax collectors and all the folks that weren't in the end religious crowd because that's who the gospel was for. He came for sinners and outcasts too. He came for us. So, your next blank, since the gospel is for everyone, our challenge is to be as liberal as we can with it. You know what liberal means, right? What does liberal mean? Open-handed. Literally, it means open-handed. I'm not talking social liberalism. I'm talking liberalism, open-handed. Opposite of open-handed is closed-fisted. That's how some of us like to be with the gospel. We're to be open-handed with the gospel. So here's who the gospel is for. Skin color does not matter to the gospel. Nationality does not matter to the gospel. Religions and denominations do not matter to the gospel. Language and accents do not matter to the gospel. Physical disability does not matter to the gospel. Ethnicity does not matter to the gospel. Social class does not matter to the gospel. Employment status does not matter to the gospel. Age does not matter to the gospel. And gender and gender identity, I wanted to be as inclusive as I could. I don't even know what that means, but gender and gender identity do not matter to the gospel. There's one fundamental, one and only one fundamental characteristic that you have to have as a human being for the gospel to apply. You need to be breathing. That's it. The gospel's not for the unborn and the gospel's not for the dead. The gospel's for the living. You're breathing, the gospel applies. It's for you. Pretty straightforward. Now, you say, Jim, what's the point? Well, I don't want to miss the fact that everybody except Jesus has theological deficiencies. Peter had some theological deficiencies. We don't think about the apostles as having an incomplete theology, right? We, we think about the apostles, they had it all together. No, they didn't. <laughs> and we got to watch them learn it. We got to put, watch them put all those Lego pieces together and go, oh, it is about Jesus. That's great. Wonderful. So the personalization with that is be open to have your theology tweaked by God because none of us have it 100% correct. I don't have it 100% correct. I go back and look at lessons that I've taught 8, 10, 15, 20 years ago and go, I didn't get that right. This is, this is, no, this is true right here. Okay? None of us have it all right. So application point number two, what do you think goes in those five blanks? The gospel is for everyone. Did you get that? Then we got the theme of today's lesson, the gospel is for everyone. 
I'm sorry. That was my sarcasm for today. So let me break that down for you. The. There's only one. There's only one gospel. And when you go messing with it, it's no longer the gospel. You cannot mess with good news and it still be good news. B is the gospel. The gospel is the good news of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. C is, is, it's present tense. We need the gospel before we're saved, at the moment of salvation, and every moment thereafter. The gospel will always be important. It will always be important. It's one of the few things that for the rest of eternity will be important. D, four, the gospel has a purpose. And the purpose is not for it to remain closed up in our clenched fists. The gospel's purpose is also not for us to only ever hand somebody a gospel tract and that be the end of it, and we think that's our out. The gospel is to be shared directly, explicitly, and verbally with everyone on the planet. I'm going to say that again. The gospel is to be shared directly, explicitly, and verbally with everyone on the planet. And the gospel is for everyone. You, me, everyone alive now, everyone that's ever been alive, everyone that will live after us, it's for everyone. Because everybody's going to live in either heaven or hell for all of eternity. The stakes are simply too high for us to constrain or restrain the boundaries on the gospel. It is for everyone. So what do you do with that? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that question, man. See everyone as savable. Whether you're rich, old, young, poor, talented, straight, gay, unsure, intelligent, annoying, or mean. And share with everyone because the gospel is for everyone. That's the best I got, guys. I can think of nothing better. Um, several years ago, when I became a deacon at Stewart Heights, Daryl, uh, he gives new deacons this little speech. I don't know if he's still doing this or not, but um, you better be ready to preach, pray, or die at any time. Anybody ever heard that? Any of the deacons? Daniel, is he still giving that speech? You didn't get that one? Okay, maybe he stopped with that one. It scared the crap out of me. Um, I was like, what part of, we're going to die in this? What, what, what did I sign up for? I thought I was going like, to help people that needed help. So where's the die come in? He said, you've got to be ready to go to heaven. It's like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm good there, thanks. He said, but you've got to be ready to preach and pray at any time too. I said, what does the preach part mean? He said, well, you know, we've got multiple campuses. He said, uh, one of us trips and stumbles on the way up to the pulpit and smacks our heads, somebody better preach a sermon. You mean like, and not, and not know about it beforehand? Right. Well, that implies I better have something ready. Right. So you want me, yes. Okay. So I got four or five ready. And I got four or five ready right now. And if, who's speaking this morning here? I ain't looking at the bulletin. Gary, if Gary smacks his head on the pulpit, which... It could happen, you know. <laughs> he was outside in the cold for a long time this week, so there's some strange thing that happened. And, and Daryl turns to me and goes, you're up. This is the one I'm preaching. That's it. The gospel's for everybody. I got nothing better than that. That's my best one. I can't think of anything else that I'd rather share with as many people as I can. The gospel is for everyone. This changes the way that we live, guys. So, that's the first one. We've got about five or six more of these. All right? I need you to come back and be excited about who we got coming because I think you'll get a kick out of it. So, on your tables is the prayer request sheet. Um, 
So make sure that you've written your prayer request down. Make sure that everybody's name that was here is at the bottom of that. Uh, did the breakfast bucket make its way around? I didn't see it. I saw somebody jump up, so it's over here. Is there enough in it, or are we good? You didn't go to each table and interrogate people? No, okay. All right, so we'll see. So um, there's a wanna tonight. Is that correct or no? Yes, so we do need to put the chairs up uh, against the wall in stacks of seven. Uh, pray at your tables, and you are dismissed. Thank you for coming, guys.